Agile 2018-2, Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. Welcome to Nalshare with Dr. Dave. This is your host, Dr. Dave. Nalshare with Dr. Dave is streamed on grokshare.com and broadcasted on iTunes and Google Play. John C. Hall, April Jefferson, and John LeDrew join me on a Thursday afternoon for a discussion about diversity and inclusion at the Agile 2018 conference in San Diego, California. John, April, Jason, and I wanted to enjoy some fresh ocean air and decided to record this podcast outside. So, pardon the wind and other city noises that we picked up during the conversation. I am excited for us as Agile coaches that we were able to begin a conversation about diversity and inclusion that affects many people and we can be allies to advocate for safety, enabling everyone on a team or in the organization to be productive without fear. We used lean coffee to create topics for the diversity and inclusion discussion. Lean Coffee was created by Jim Benson and Jeremy Lightsmith. Learn more about Lean Coffee by visiting www.leancoffee.org. The Lean Coffee topics included in priority order follows 1. Tactics for pay equity 2. Hidden diversity 3. How can you be an ally when you hear or see things? 4. In creating inclusive work environments. 5. Unconscious biases in recruitment. 6. Diversity and inclusion scale. 0. Totally excluded. Up to 10. Totally included. 7. Transparency of pay for a catalyst of equitable incomes for women. 8. IT have a large Asian group contribution in roles, yet we don't see them at conferences much. 9. How to support the advancement of people of color in leadership roles. 10. What is the correlation of diversity and inclusion with Agile? Jason, April, and John, please share a little about who you are with the audience. Hello, my name is April Jefferson. You can reach me on Twitter at underscore April Jefferson. That's correct, underscore April Jefferson. And I'm an Agile coach, leveraging design thinking, improv, and open space uh, in my engagements. Hi, uh, my name's John LeDrew. I'm, uh, you can get me at ANTZ, because I'm British, 29, uh, ANTZ29 on Twitter. Um, I'm also an agile coach or a team coach, and yeah, I, I do a lot of stuff, kind of similar things around play and uh, facilitation and kind of uh, getting people to have fun in the office. <laughs> hey, I'm Jason Hall. You can reach me at jason at collabstructures.com or on Twitter at Jason Hall C. Uh, and I'm a uh, product coach. Uh, and an enterprise organizational coach as well. So that's great. So why don't we, we begin with, we'll start from the top with Lady April here, and just uh, briefly give a description of each one of your topics 
and we could start there. Since we have a windy day here in San, in San Diego, uh, putting the cards down for lean coffee will be blown all over the place. So we may have to just hold them in our hands and just go down that path. So, well, I'll begin today on a topic that we've been talking about all week at this conference, which is how can you be an ally when you hear and see things? As well as we could potentially talk about equity, looking at how can we make pay more transparent so it's a catalyst for equitable incomes, especially with women. Another topic that I thought would be pretty interesting and important to cover is how do we support the advancement of people of color in leadership roles? As well as we have a large Asian population contributing in our community in IT. However, we, we hardly see them here at conferences. What do we do about that? Okay, so I have a, a, a topic that's quite close to my heart, really, is, is what I just wrote down, hidden diversity. Um, this is the area of how we have very things that are, um, in some situations, people can be very visibly part of a, a marginalized group in some way. And, you know, you can spot that and you can see that those people are marginalized because of what we know about that particular group. Um, but there are many, many aspects to diversity, and this is these ones that affect me more, more than a, a, you know are things like neurodiversity um, and, and how we include and or often marginalise people uh, in those in those groups. Um, how we have uh, issues like sexuality, which are often not discussed or uh, because of uh, marginalisation and other and other stigma. So I wanted to kind of discuss that topic and how we can. Uh, yeah, how we can kind of better address some of those things. Um, I, I kind of just wrote down generally creating inclusive work environments and that also includes, kind of goes back to the hidden diversity topic of I think that these days there's a pretty decent amount of um, many organizations are trying to improve inclusion within their workplaces um, generally, um, but actually not necessarily for areas uh, that are more hidden. Things like neurodiversity are still a challenge for some organisations to address. Um, and then just talking, and this is a uh, maybe we, maybe we'll get to this, maybe not. Uh, was just kind of it's just an area I'm very interested in is the kind of subconscious, non-conscious biases in in the recruitment side and how we can uh, some strategies maybe we can use to get over that and to help and support people that are in hiring positions to become more mindful of of their own flawed humanity. <laughs> um, so yeah, awesome, awesome. Uh, three topics that I just uh, spit off the top of my head: uh, tactics for pay equity, sort of getting down into the nitty and gritty. How can we? What are some tangible things we could do to uh, push towards towards that? Um, diversity and inclusion scale. Uh, oftentimes we think of I think diversity and inclusion inclusion as a a, a, a bimodal thing. And um, I want to raise the, raise the question of can we really consider it, can we consider it as a scale, as a gradient scale? Could, could, you, could you feel partially included or partially excluded? Um, uh, and my last one, what's the correlation with the Agile community? What's the correlation uh, that we see, or maybe how do we want to see uh, diversity and inclusion 
specifically shaping the agile community. So those, that's, those are great topics. So let's begin, and each topic would be five minutes. Um, and if once we get down to five minutes, we do Roman voting, right? Um, just thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs in the middle kind of scenario. Um, do you think it would be appropriate for us to state that this podcast is a reverse of the other podcast in terms of composition of identity? I think that's fair. That's a that's a those that those are that's a true statement. Right. So so um, last night uh, we had another recording of a podcast where there were four people um, and probably four white people and myself was the only African American. So today we have four African Americans and one white person from England three. or three. three. Did I say? Th- yeah. Well, I'm thinking about my hidden spirit, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> You know, trying to get the spirit man in here, <laughs> kind of evil, even things out. So we didn't. Maybe have we can each speak to our own diversity because well, uh, there's hidden diversity here. There's hidden yeah, diversity. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. just like there was hidden diversity um, in your podcast yesterday. Yes, yes, I know there was. So, do you want to speak to that now, or before we get into our topics, really quickly? Well, I'm a woman of color, so. There you go. That's not really hidden. My, that's not really hidden. Yeah. But one hidden thing that I do have is I also have multiple sclerosis. That's hidden um, uh, with a neurological disorder and that impact. Uh, so I, um, I am, uh, yeah, white British male. So on the surface, I am, uh, you know, full of privilege. Um, I, uh, so I went, I didn't finish school. Um, I, I left school at 14. Um, I don't have any qualifications in that regard because of my dyspraxia, which affects uh, well a bunch of stuff. But at that time, it was my uh, it was my handwriting. See, I can't hear myself in the in the thing. It's uh, the uh, yeah I know the uh, but I, when I don't have cans, I can't tell where the where the thing is. Um, so I uh, um, I also uh, I'm also a single father um, and uh, and I'm bisexual. <laughs> so I. Uh, I it, yeah, all of my diversity is hidden, <laughs> uh, really. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so I've had, uh, I also had puppeteers as parents. I think that should be a niche group, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, right. So go ahead. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm an African-American male. Um, uh, although, although, as you can't see me, I, I tend to be confused for many things. Um, uh, Cuban, Puerto Rican, Greek and just question mark. So, um, um, there's that, but yeah. Do you speak me. Greek? I, I, I don't, I actually am <laughs> part Greek, uh, but, um, <laughs> uh, I am part Greek, but no, I do not speak Greek. Well, there you go. So let's begin with the first topic. It's tactics for pay equity. Go ahead for five minutes and we'll go ahead and start. All right. Um, so I, I, I wrote this down because I think uh, I had something that uh, that I think is is effective, and I just wanted to share and to see what else was out there. And it seems like so so simple, um, but one is when when you are in a position of uh, of power, and and uh, and in this case, when it comes to pay, um, I, I guess it sort of it depends who you are. Uh, but when you're in a position of power, do all that you can to share, like share what your 
what your pay is with others, with those not in power. And this is something that um, that I've done. Now, I know I've said I'm an African, African-American male, um, but still, even with some positions that I've gotten, um, by knowing and talking to some of my friends, uh, I, I know what, what the going rates for my work uh, should be. So that's that's helped me. And then I've, in turn, shared with female colleagues who were getting offers for much less uh, and and were one of them was my was one of them was my mentor and way more qualified than than I was and and I I had no problem telling her like look here's here's what I'm getting and and there's no way you should be settling for anything less than that um, so uh, that I mean that that's one that's one easy tip now unfortunately that's not that's not scalable but it's just something local and grassroots. Have you um, seen there are a number of organizations that have basically made their pay structures completely transparent? And I can't remember off the top of my head either of the names of the two organizations I was reading about recently. But yeah. they basically, it's it's completely transparent. Everyone knows what everyone else is earning. Um, and the, the, the interesting thing is, is there's a lot of panic when you suggest things like this to organizations um and even panic in organizations where it's not like the leadership are there thinking oh my god we know we have really unequal pay it's all going to be revealed if we do this um a lot of the time they wouldn't even claim to have you know they wouldn't claim to know about it they don't think there is as far as they're concerned you know any kind of uh, issue but they they panic like it's kind of a like the salary is some kind of very personal thing i guess um and, and individuals panic about that as well, like people knowing how much they earn, because we don't talk about how much we earn ever, and as if, and I'm, I'm not sure why that is actually, because I, I mean, I don't know whether I would have open conversations, just generally, about what my earnings are, or how much, I mean, it's not that important to me, I guess, but it's also, I don't know whether I would care if I was working full-time in an organization if someone knew that I was on X pay grade versus something else. I don't know how, how, how do you feel? You, you mentioned equal pay as well, April, didn't you? Um, I mentioned equitable pay and I've, I've seen it done multiple ways where it's not been transparent and been in part of organizations where it was transparent, such as in education. I spent time at University of Michigan and everyone's salary is known, not ranges. This is how much everyone makes. Um, it's known. And I have been in the position to share with other people what I've made. And by sharing that with someone else, who I also consider a mentor, end up doubling their income on the next place they took and understanding the urgency to move to a place um, where they were paid for um, how they add, how they truly add value. So sharing our salaries can have an impact. It also, when we do that, it, it raises um, incomes, I believe, in our field. So it's a benefit for all because we base on, on rates. If only a couple of people have interest there, it's going to stay there and you'll tap yourself out instead of it growing and moving. So that is uh, my belief is that it's in the interest of all to share salaries, to be transparent and, and watch them go. And I think we'll see a, a good race for everybody in our field and it will benefit all. So you think that um, 
I mean, that would help to increase the amount of taxes that we pay um, in families. You, you know, we have to make more money and give more opportunities. But I think it's a good thing. It's a beautiful thing that we get to a point where there is equity in spite of me making light of this uh, about the amount of taxes that we will pay. But that would be something really important for us to, to look at. Okay, moving right along in the next topic. Let's see who's number two. Hidden diversity. Wow. So what's that all about? Okay. So what I find interesting with this is that, so I've been speaking the last sort of 12 months or so. I've been um, talking quite regularly in a talk I've been doing about diversity. And I'm very, uh, I'm stood there presenting as a white male talking about diversity, uh, which is a challenging thing, actually. Um, because what's interesting is that I'm perceived as being, you know, uh, stood up there from a position of privilege talking to people about diversity. And actually, you know, I have a lot of struggles, <laughs> um, you know, that there are a whole host of struggles that have affected me, the way that dyspraxia affects me generally day to day, the way that, you know, the struggles of being a single dad, the struggles of the prejudice that men receive in a father position, especially in a single father position, there's an implicit incompetence assigned to men uh, in society um, around becoming a dad. You know, you can't possibly do it without a, without a woman there. And suddenly I don't have a woman there anymore and I have to cope with that. Um, and I actually think that a lot of that is, is it, it's yeah, it's very easy to discuss issues around diversity around things that are very visible uh, in the same way that it's very easy to discuss issues around disability when someone has a very obvious physical disability um, but frequently it's very hard and there's still a lot of discrimination around around people that struggle I mean only the other day I was reading about a, a you know a woman that had requested I can't remember the condition she had now um, but she had requested assistance at the you know at the airport getting on the plane and was demanded to prove that she was disabled uh, because she arrives, you know, walking. The reason she wanted needed assistance is that she didn't, she couldn't, she would not have the energy to walk the, you know, two kilometers to the, you know, to the to the gate, and she needed a chair. But because she arrived on her two feet, because she only had to walk, you know, to the check-in desk, um, uh, she was she was stood there and asked to prove it. And I think that we see a lot of this. Uh, there's a huge amount of prejudice, and I don't know. If, I mean, obviously, uh, April, you mentioned that you have musculoskeletal sclerosis. Is that right? I think I said that right. Yeah, you could and just say MS for short. MS, sorry, yeah. And, and obviously, that's not something that, I mean, I didn't know that about you. We know each other quite well. So how, mm -hmm. how did you, like, how has that, has that affected you much when it comes yeah. to your own? Especially in corporate life. Um, mm -hmm. it, was, it was times, you know, where I would be, you know, when you're, you know, doing I was doing team coaching for law school teams several teams and for a large program and at the end of the day sometimes I could barely walk I couldn't even make it into my house my husband would have to carry me in and then I would get up and do it again because for me movement's a sign of, a sign of life and then I would give it my all you never know or if I have numbness in my limbs and I would keep going or dealing with optic neuritis these are things that people can't see when you're uh, struggling with it. I know other people with other, you know, hidden, you know, disease, diseases. So, and, and how it impacts their energy level. 
for example, what you're saying where, hey, I may be able to walk in but not walk out. That has been me. Um, so I get it. And, and I guess that's where I, that's what I really feel with this is that it's, is that we're very, um, to me, a lot of the, the stuff around diversity and inclusion is it kind of comes down to just respecting people's needs. <laughs> and, you know, if someone says, hey, I need a chair to walk to, you know, to walk to the airport gate, I'm not going to be able to do it. And not turning around and going, wait a sec, you know, your legs look okay. You know, well, they look okay now, you know, or the fact that, you know, I, you know, wasn't, I couldn't take my exams because I couldn't write quick enough with enough clarity in, in an exam setting. I didn't get support, but interestingly, there was a, a boy in the class below me who had a physical disability and I can't remember the name of it now. Um, and he, you know, he, he had a laptop to use. Now, from a neurological perspective, uh, he was completely fine. <laughs> um, and if I had gone out and, you know, maybe laid down on the road and had someone run over my hands, I probably would have got a computer to use. <laughs> um, I could have typed then or I'd have given additional time. Um, now, that was a long time ago. You know, I, I hope and I haven't been involved with education in, in the UK, at least for about a decade now. So I've, I, I don't I hope things are better. Um, but there is still. Yeah, there's still a long way to go with that and very little good understanding i think of how uh, i don't know if anyone else has experienced anything like that beyond no but i could only speak for hidden diversity from the perspective of my wife who suffers from um, ra rheumatoid um, arthritis and you know you look at the ebbs and flows of some days she's fine other days it's just really awful the swelling um and but no one really understands or know exactly what she's going through because you can't see it Right? And because you can't see it, people think that she is fine. And sometimes, you know, we said, hey, we need a wheel wheelchair. But, you know, we had to prove that, um, you know, she's disabled to be able to get a wheelchair uh, to at the airport. Because sometimes, you know, she's just too tired. She also has um, fibromyalgia as well. So that's another another hidden thing that we have that most people just can't see. And it really impacts life and changes life for everyone so yeah people just having more empathy would be you know a bit helpful i would think i have a final thought is to make sure we have something actionable that people can take away with uh, as john indicated um, when someone expresses a need trust that that need is there Question it is not helpful or empathetic. And kind of like you said, Dave, you know, show empathy. Authentic curiosity without judgment. I, I think the other, uh, that the key hidden thing as well, um, we obviously discussed a bit about um, physical disabilities that are hidden, um, but actually mental health, you know, that affects one in four people. And, and a lot of the reason why we don't talk about these things is the stigma associated with those topics. Um, and I think to some degree, this is true for um, uh, physical disabilities that are hidden is that you don't know, you don't, I think we don't believe that people will have empathy with us when we say, when I try to explain that I have dyspraxia to someone, and that means that I can't you know, I, I don't know my left and rights or the fact I don't have a you know, driver's license. All of those things uh, affect me every day. Um, and I don't have, 
yeah, it's, it's very hard to discuss those things effectively because you don't really know what how people will react. Um, yeah, I definitely think, I mean, empathy is the key to many problems. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? Uh, yeah, I'm good. All right. That, that was a great topic. Um, our next highest priority item is how can you be an ally when you hear or see things? Well, I brought up that topic because that's important. A lot of people need allies. Um, and a lot of times those happen for uh, things that we can, uh, for, for visual, for people of color, for LGBTQ, for women. That we need allies. We hear in the news all the time of these situations when people are harassed, um, discriminated against, denied opportunity or services because of their skin in the workplace, their skin or, you know, sexuality or their gender. In the workplace, it's the same thing. Speak up and say something. Afterwards, when someone says, I'm sorry that that happened to you, but if you witness it and said nothing, it's as if you agree. That's what I want people to take away from that. So if you're not in agreement, take a moment, walk in empathy and say, how does this person need me to be an ally? You know, what should I be thinking, doing, feeling, and saying if I'm truly an ally? That definitely takes, um, I think it takes courage and, and constant awareness. I think it's easy to do when you're amongst, when you're amongst people who need your support, but it's harder to do when you're in a group of the majority or you're, you know, you, you're, there's no one looking. Right, because that's that's a scary thing to to uh, break the trend, right, or or break break a conversation that's going that's going well, but maybe maybe is not respecting of somebody's needs. I mean, that's a tough thing to do. Yeah, but no, I think I think it it uh, I think you know you can be you can be an ally in many ways, and I think one of which is is actually trying. The hardest thing to do is actually trying to sit and have a conversation and realize two perspective truths, right? Realize, uh, we call them multiple theories. Um, but yeah, yeah. Sit down, have a, like, tr have a conversation, I think. And think a lot of this, it's funny. I think skills that, that could be used to increase shared perspectives are the same skills that effective agile coaches have and facilitating different viewpoints and, 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 and perspectives and trying to get everyone to walk in each other's shoes. Um, so, I mean, I think there's, there's a potential parallel there. Yeah, well, courage is a key component of being an agile coach, having the ability to step in and be an, a true ally and advocate for an individual is really going through you know a situation where they're being demeaned or really being discriminated against and and that's what it takes you know for us who are do this work of trying to help people to and I say we try to help people achieve their awesomeness and if we're in that business then 
we should really dampen this type of behavior and attitude. But the reality, we have to look at this and see that, you know, we're very tribal people. And often, being a tribal person, we may not step in for fear of retaliation from the tribe itself, right? So, I mean, it's just things that we have to be cognizant of and being aware of that, then have plans. I think, you know, as a coach, you always have a facilitation guide. Yeah. Well, maybe we need a facilitation guide to be an ally. I mean, what are the steps it takes to do that? But I'd say that when I'm facilitating, so if I'm in a, a retro and there is disrespectful communication, I'm not talking about necessarily, you know, racist or sexist comments, just just general disrespect. I'm pretty quick to shut that down in those contexts or kind of move people away. But when you're dealing with, you know, when I'm outside of that setting, I'll openly say that there are times when when I felt like I couldn't do something, you know, that I couldn't do it. And I, I apologized afterwards. I said, I'm so sorry that I just I froze up. And and I found that because it can be very, very it, it can be very uh, it, it can be very intimidating for for everyone in the situation actually and i'm not pretending and i I, that's why i apologize afterwards i'm thinking about a a specific situation uh, about a year ago and i said i'm i'm sorry now i have grown i think and i've definitely um shut things down since then but i know that for a lot of people you can freeze i'm not a big fan of conflict i don't like that you know the idea of getting into that you know voluntarily stepping into the fray outside of the space now if it happened in my retro that's like my space, you know, I can, I can, I can manage that when it's, if I'm, you know, having a conversation and someone drops something in, it can throw me sometimes, you know, and it can be quite, uh, I think that for many people, it, it's kind of terrifying actually to, to step yeah. into that. I understand that it can be terrifying. I want people to understand what the person experiencing that feels and if you truly feel empathy for them, take the time. You can take the time now and say, how could they use me? So prepare yourself to be an ally. Understanding that it's important. I, this this week, took time to reflect on, hmm, in Michigan, we use you guys as language to represent all people, kind of like in the South when people say all y'all or y'all, but we say you guys. However, someone mentioned when someone else used it, they're like, you guys, it was it was a trigger for them. For whatever reason, it's not mine to judge whether because as a woman, they said, hey, I, you know, I'm not a guy. They could be from the South and yeah. be like, Rue, the South, maybe they're more progressive than than we are on this issue in the Midwest. (laughs) Don't don't know, but I'm thinking like, what would it cost me to change my language? Um, It'll be difficult, but would it be worth it? Yeah, it will be worth it if someone else feels safer, if they feel more loved and they feel like they belong by me changing my language. So, so why I say that is us investing the time to think about how we can respond so we don't freeze up. It doesn't mean that you won't fail. Because I just I said, I'm sure that I'll say you guys. I've been saying it since I was born. And I'm trying to change that language um, that we may fail. But what are you doing after you realize you, you fail? 
are you working to actually uh, be a vessel of change? Not saying you can't fail. Be a vessel of change. Start thinking about, make a positive intention on how you can be an ally with safety. Think about what your way is. Not saying that everyone has to respond in the same way. But how can you positively respond? We all can. There's so many people out here to be an ear that say this would be acceptable or, or safe for me if in this situation to find out. Because I believe that it may be different depending on who it is or the location. But this can get you ideas on how you can positively be an ally without just saying, I'm sorry that happened to you. So if, if we had to put something tangible like an ally facilitation guide, I'm just throwing that out there, right? Yeah. Because I don't know, I'm an agilist and I, I want to have a little bit of order and structure in what, what I do. You know, what are some of the things you would put in that guide? Right? I mean, things to be aware of. I mean, I, I do it when I'm about to facilitate any situation that I have a guide that says, at this time, this is what we want to say. In my mind, I'm thinking this is how I want to react. Or maybe this is the reaction that I'm seeking. Yeah. You know, what can we think about that could be tangible? And it doesn't have to be lots of stuff. Maybe three things. Let's think of three things we could add to an ally facilitation guide. One thing that I I try to do um, is to, is, is not, you know, just from a, a, is to really call out and just highlight behavior and kind of things that I think are, are kind of unacceptable or kind of dated or could be triggering for people. Um, so a, an example of this was just the other day in the, I was at a concert at the, uh, the Hollywood Bowl and it was a, a really great concert actually. Performers there doing his thing, really loads of energy. Um, and then this guy, so he's in his late fifties, this performer, and, uh, <laughs> and he comes out and he kind of makes a comment about how, you know, since he's got a bit older, he doesn't have a booty anymore. You know, I just kind of realized I've lost my booty now. But it's okay, audience, because I've got these four lovely ladies. <laughs> and I immediately was just like, what? <laughs> like, how is this even, you know, is, are we still in 2018? What's happened? Where, where, what happened? I mean, we must be 2018 because this guy's in his 50s. That's the whole thing. And what I, re and I was talking, because I was there with my, my friend, you know, who's uh, uh, a girl, and we, and they uh, and and one of the things is was just I kind of basically very very obviously flashed up how unacceptable I thought this was it was happening down on stage and they were doing their thing and I, and I was just kind of and I could hear people I could hear people behind me women actually this group of women behind me telling me I should lighten up <laughs> and I was just like no I'm I'm not going to engage with this you know I'm sorry but this is just he's basically getting these girls to perform and shake their booty on stage. And it's like, what, you know, and I, and I mean, I, those sorts of things, but I find that if we can just start to flag up now, obviously I'm not going to march up on stage and, you know, in a show and say, this is unacceptable to him personally, but as far as just making people aware and making people more mindful that maybe, who knows, maybe the people that were behind me after they, if they see something like that again soon, they might have, they might, oh, you know, there was that guy that found this really un you know, really uncomfortable the last time. Um, and that might make them slightly more aware that maybe this isn't okay. You know, maybe this behavior isn't acceptable and maybe we need to. So that's something that I, I try. Uh, what were the, has everyone else got three things? Or is that it? I've dominated. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. You want to have something, April? Do you want to no. break? Do you want to stop? 
I gotta go. You gotta go. I'm sorry. That's okay. It's been how long? Yes. Are we at our time box? Yeah, we're over thirty minutes. Yeah. Okay. So okay. we got what we got, you know. Yeah. And and to me, thank you so much. That's this is enough. I thank you for inviting. You know, thank you guys for mm-hmm. these stepping in. Yeah, last minute. Last minute. Thank you. Unplanned. I think we covered some really good topics, and yeah. I'm happy to talk with you some more about some of the other ones if yeah. you wanted to explore those later okay. on. Yeah, thanks no, for thank having you. us on, Dave. Yeah, thank you graciously, man, for giving up your time. And oh, one more thing, can I ask before we go? Just what do you guys think about the DNI topic that we had at the Agile Alliance Conference 2018 in San Diego um, in terms of just the dialogue that has been started? Do you think it's too much? It's just enough? Is it a great beginning? Um, you don't know? Uh, you know, I would just like to get your your input on that. Final thoughts? I, I think, uh, um, so, and this is judging by somebody who's outside the room because I couldn't get into that talk. Um, that tells me the level of excitement and engagement uh, is there. And to me, it seems like it's a... a if it's a trend, it's a trend going up, not going down, which is a good thing. So, April, I have to comment because I I wasn't there and I wasn't here on that day, and I didn't know there was a DNI topic until you just said that. So I can't comment. Well, um, just, I, not not about the event, but just the the sentiment that the conversation has taken place. Yeah. I mean, what do you feel about that? Just I mean, I've had sentiment. a few really good conversations around diversity while I've been here. Um, it seems to be a topic that a lot of people are interested in, uh, which is, which is good, <laughs> which is great. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I think that there's, uh, you know, this is a topic that there's, this is, this is going to run on, <laughs> you know, people have a uh, people, there's a lot that needs to be discussed about, uh, about this. So I don't know. I so for me, I've been here since last Friday. So I experienced multiple things regarding DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion at this conference. I we began the week with women in agile to start the conversation. And it, I think it was positive, as you said, for women in agile that sold out. People were trying to get in. Like 50 people say, oh, I think she'll let me in. No. Um, they didn't get in. Is that we needed people in there, so we can, so things can change. And and so I was like, oh, I don't, I don't want to take a spot from from a woman. I'm thinking like, we need everybody in there to, to have positive change. We talked about hard things at the Audacious Salon, which I can't share with you because that was private for the people who experienced it. I do wish everyone could have experienced it. I think what a, it would that experience will help grow what is happening in corporate America right now and um, make visible the experiences that um, people um, who have uh, who are part of the diversity group whether from isms or for silent things, to really expose that and explore that more. I don't know if we need an entire conference on that. I have no idea. It'll be deep. It'll be painful. There'll be tears. But it feels like it's needed. Maybe it could be a track. Mm-hmm. Mm. 
So I agree that we're, we are starting the conversation. Have we done enough yet? No, it, it feels like it's in the beginning. Um, and it's not just here. This is an international conference. And these problems are not just in America, in the workplace, in our communities. They're in other countries as well. They're sharing that same thing. So let's keep the conversation going. Well, thank you guys. And there I go doing it again. Thank you guys. And we have a woman here. Thank you all <laughs> for being here. Yeah. I stand corrected. Uh, yeah. And so this is gracious. Thank you for, for doing this. Thank you. All right. Thanks thank very much. You. I hope this conversation continues in a positive way for Agile coaches to be allies for team members and create safety for inclusion of diverse identities. The diversion and inclusion conversation is relevant in our workplaces, community, and homes. As Agile coaches, we are responsible for making work humane. We owe it to teams and organizations to create safety for diverse teams with diverse identities. The identities include age, gender, race or ethnicity, religion or spirituality, socioeconomic status, accessibility, and sexual orientation. If you would like to keep this conversation going, visit www.nolshare.org. Nolshare is spelled K-N-O-L share.org. And click on the Nolshare with Dr. Dave link to blog about your experiences. Thank you, Agile Alliance, for demonstrating courage to create space for this conversation to take place. Let me finish by sharing the story that I created at Agile Tonight during the Agile 2018 conference in San Diego, California. Diversity and Inclusion, the Inclusion Story. This is a story that I shared at Agile 2018 at the Agile Alliance conference in San Diego, California. This story is based on several conversations with women and people of color about the experience of attending large Agile conferences. Diversity is measured by counting how many individuals are associated with a specific identity group attending this event. For example, 50 people attended open space, 30 white males, 15 females, 3 African Americans, and 2 Asian Americans. Inclusion is harder to measure because the focus is on creating an environment that enables people to participate without unconscious or conscious bias. The experience of attending the Agile Alliance and other large conferences do not feel inclusive in many of the events or conversations. Some of the inside track activities were not often invited to participate, although we're actively engaged in the Agile community as organizers speakers, coaches, and trainers. It is a struggle to connect. Even when we have attempted to participate, we often get the yeah, yeah, and then moving on, never mind treatment. We have even sat with groups of people and introduced ourselves to bridge the inclusion gap, but often the reception is an attitude that we are invading space. I must say that some people have extended an invitation and we have built a relationship of mutual respect and trust. 
What drew us to Agile was one of the core values of people over processes and tools. The focus is on people to share more of what is common, which is our humanity. Perhaps we are expecting more than what was possible, given the nature of people's tribal behavior. Psychological safety have become a popular term and mindset in the Agile community, which may help to improve diversity and inclusion. However, we have to create change versus responding to change. The so what and now what mindset is relevant in this moment. So what that I've experienced, observed, and learned that I may not be included. Now what will I do to bring about change that may help others? A key agile human behavior is to demonstrate courage. We must be courageous to be inclusive at this Agile Alliance conference so we may have an opportunity to develop mutual respectful and beneficial relationships. Have you noticed the people included in creating the Agile Manifesto lacked both diversity and inclusion? Can you imagine what the Agile Manifesto could be if viewed through the lens of a diverse and inclusive group of people? You may connect with my guest on Twitter, John LeDrew at Ants29, that's A-N-T-Z-29, April Jefferson at underscore April Jefferson, and Jason C. Hall at Jason Hall C. We would like to thank our sponsor, Nullshare, for the continued support of this podcast. Visit Nullshare.org to achieve your awesomeness through coaching and training digital transformation strategy, agile organization development, lean business startup, and diversity and inclusion training. We support lean thinking and agile life skills education through the Five Saturdays program. Visit the number 5saturdays.org to donate your time, money, and knowledge. Look for the Knowledge Share with Dr. Dave podcast on iTunes and Google Play. The Knowledge Share with Dr. Dave podcast is streamed on grokshare.com. If you have any questions for Dr. Dave, reach out on Twitter at Dr. Cornelius Info or at Knowledge This podcast, an interview produced by Dr. Dave Cornelius. Copyright 2018. Knowledge